are listening to a podcast from The National. It's been a big year for business across the UAE and the wider region, and the past 12 months have sprung some surprises and ushered in some major changes. My name is Chris Nelson, and in today's Business Extra podcast, I'm joined by some of The National's business journalists to look back over the stories of 2017 that caused a stir. This esteemed company of experts is made up of John Everington, The National's deputy business editor, Dania Saadi, assistant business editor, Jennifer Nyana, the energy reporter, Samad Khan, companies and markets editor, and last but by no means least, Sarah Townsend, senior business correspondent. Um, probably uh, of all the, the business stories in this country, certainly this year, was of course the announcement of uh, VAT coming in on January the 1st. I'm joined by uh, Dania Sadi, the assistant business editor for The National, uh, to talk about some of the implications of this. Um, Dania, do you think um, it was a surprise that uh, it, it was due to be implemented so quickly after after the idea was mooted? I think it depends who you're talking to. Uh, many companies, uh, especially the big multinational companies who, ha- who are familiar with the VAT registration mm-hmm. and its implications, uh, were more were, re- were more ready mm-hmm. than other um, smaller SMEs who, mm-hmm. who have never had to deal with the tax yeah. here in in the UAE, which has one of the lowest tax uh, lowest tax regimes, mm-hmm. um, the easiest tax regimes mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the preparations were a bit, if you speak to some experts, the preparations were not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the government began publishing VAT and tax laws in the summer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there was a six-month period for people to start reading Which the laws. Which is pretty short. And yeah. to understand them. Yeah. And the VAT implementation laws only came out in November. Right. So these implement executive executive regulations mm-hmm. are very important because mm-hmm. there were some details that were missing and they mm-hmm. were in these laws. Mm-hmm. Do you um, think do you think companies um, let's say companies that are based here, um, away from the multinationals uh, or the or the bigger the bigger ones who have the wherewithal to, to, to set themselves up for this, do do you think they're they're gonna companies are going to be caught out here uh, when it does come in because there are major fines involved, aren't there, right from day one if, if for non-compliance? There's a whole list of the list of fines and uh, even the late registration, there is a fine for that mm-hmm. also. Um, uh, SMEs will struggle the most, I mm-hmm. think, because some of them don't keep books. They right. don't know how to file invoice, uh, proper invoices. Yeah. They have to change their technology, the the software system. It's all added cost to. It's to all work. added cost, yeah. and um, um, I, I think many of them honestly didn't did not think that the government was serious about mm-hmm. introducing it on January one. They thought right. it's till the, some of them I think thought till the last minute that it could be postponed. Yeah. But uh, uh, officials from the federal tax authority have been very firm that the date is still January first. And uh, they have been urging businesses to register, and they've been holding workshops, Mm -hmm. awareness campaigns. Uh, But uh, I think it takes time to sink in that Mm. the era of Mm -hmm. having no taxes is over. It's over, yeah. And how do do you think it will affect um, uh, everyday consumers, residents here? Um, the Federal Tax Authority Director General had mentioned that um, there is going to be one-off increase 
in costs in inflation of 1.4 percent mm-hmm. uh-huh. in the first year of implementation. Um, so prices are going to go up, but people need to remember that's only five yeah. percent. That's among the lowest, if not the lowest, in the world. Yeah, yeah. The average uh, for Europe is twenty uh, yeah, percent VAT. Yeah. Uh, you have a country like Morocco, mm-hmm. the, uh, which is not very rich, and it has 20% VAT. Mm. So um, they're starting from a very low base. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people um, need to panic. Yeah. They just uh, uh, need uh, to realize that... Some things will, will maybe some things, need to cut Some back things on, will yeah. get more expensive. Yeah. There are some exemptions. It's not a big list of exemptions, mm-hmm. but things like local transport are, are exempt. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, uh, but like food items are not exempt. This is something that people right. had expected initially. Yeah. So, uh, and that's <coughs> across the board on all food items. Across yeah. the board on all food items, yeah. So, um, people just need to um, be more careful with their spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think this is going to be the start of more taxes. The government has really? said it is yeah. exploring yeah. more tax options. Uh-huh. It like, didn't say such as Erdogan's hasn't said what? It hasn't said what. Uh, they have ruled out income tax for the mm-hmm. time being. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, given that the, the, the low oil price environment, which is expected to remain low for foreseeable mm-hmm. future, mm-hmm. people need to prepare themselves for taxes that are not going to be on the scale in Europe and the Western world. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just going to mean that the but era budgets of will be crimped. Yeah. budgets will be crimped mm-hmm. and people just need to um, save more, mm-hmm. maybe. And how, how does it um, how does it impact uh, a tourist coming here? Does it does it have any effect on, on a, a tourist when they're here? Uh, yes, of course. You know, when they buy uh, when they buy uh, products, uh, there will be that. Mm, so it'll be presumably it'll be built into the the prices of restaurants and 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 um, yes, yes. You know, attractions and things like that. Yes, it will be it will be yeah. included in the in the invoices and bills, which will make it more expensive to come here, of course. So, um, but like you say, it's only five percent. Um, I, I would imagine that that. It, it, people will get used to it pretty quickly. Do you think, though, further down the line, that it is more than likely that it will be increased? Um, nothing is set in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have many countries in the region. I give, for example, Lebanon. They just recently increased the VAT from 10% to 11%. That's only 1% increase, but already it has created a, 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 a big controversy in the country given that its finances are weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think uh, that uh, countries in the region might rethink the level of taxes um, if they see that the revenue stream is good, it depends on uh, the shape of uh, the way the oil, pr- the trajectory of mm-hmm. oil prices. Mm-hmm. So it, it, uh, it, it, uh, the economic impact of that, does, will it dissuade people from uh, purchasing mm-hmm. uh, certain items? So maybe maybe it, it could change. Yeah, yeah. All, all that to come and we'll, we'll see what happens next year. Dania, thank you very much. I'm joined today by the um, business deputy editor, uh, John Everington, um, who's here to talk a little bit about uh, the year in tech. Um, John, obviously, it's been it's been a year of, of um, some revelations, um, smart home technology, for instance, and, and, and mobile payments coming to the fore. And of course, Apple's iPhone X. Um, what, what do you think were the, the, the high points of, of, of the past 12 months, really, in personal tech? I think it's hard to get around uh, the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X as it's written down. Mm. I think it was, I mean, the big launch of the year. Apple were under quite a lot of pressure this year. It was the 10th anniversary of the original iPhone. 
they wanted to still prove that they actually had their innovation now about them and they mm -hmm. could still deliver on the big stage after a few slightly lackluster, um, you could argue, device launches in the past couple of years. Yeah. And I think the iPhone X really did sort of like prove that they still have that innovation capacity. Um, the sort of the um, the Face ID aspect has worked very well. Um, that, people, that does work work well, does it? Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, on my iPhone X, uh, I actually notice it when it doesn't work, rather than notice right. it when it does work, which has been my experience with some other uh, technology. Mm -hmm. So that I mean, that is a big step forward for Apple. I mean, then again, with so many Apple innovations, they're not the first people to do such a thing, but they've actually really made the experience a very good one. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to note that so far this year, the iPhone 10 sales haven't been that big, but in some ways that's actually by design because Apple have restricted the sort of the supply. Okay. Uh, why, why would they do that then? Again, it's trying to sort of build up demand. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you kind of restrict a product, um, if you restrict access to it, you create a hype mm -hmm. and a buzz around it a mm -hmm. lot more. And I mean, they've also done that by increasing the price to over a thousand dollars in some yeah. markets, I mean, including here in the UAE, it goes for more than four thousand dirhams. Um, the basic model, so they build they build up anticipation. Um, they've delivered a quality product, so they they prove that they've still got it. So, so they're still the Rolls Royce of of, of mobiles then. There, there are plenty of Samsung fans who are going to who are going to disagree with me on that. I think in many ways they are still that Rolls Royce yeah. standard, and they still their their brand does com command a premium. And of course, it's been a year of, uh, of um, innovative releases for smart uh, smart home technology as well. Uh, what, what do you think was the main standouts of, for that? I think, I mean, you've seen a number of product launches by Google Home and by um, by Amazon with their Alexa range, mm -hmm. uh, the sort of the personal assistance that you have in, in the home, and a number of uh, smartphone makers are actually starting to kind of uh, have that as a, as a feature on their models. Mm -hmm. um, it's not so much of a factor here within the UAE. You mm. can get um, you can get Alexa-enabled devices. You can get Google Home um, in certain stores here. You don't have the functionality that you would in the US or the UK mm -hmm. or some other markets. And why is that? It's it, it's just a gradual rollout by right. these companies. They sort of they focused on their sort of their big markets mm -hmm. to start off with mm -hmm. um, with the US and then the UK and various European markets. We're all hoping that it's going to come and uh, spread to the UAE in yeah. due course. It's not quite there yet, but I mean, particularly, it's one to look out for, especially with Amazon, with the acquisition of Souk this past year, which was a very big milestone. Yeah. It could well be that as they enter into the region more, then we'll we'll get some more enabled services mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, with with the buying of, of these technology uh, and innovations, um, you can you can sort of tie it into to the development of mobile payments, um, Samsung Pay and Apple Pay. Uh, how, how do you think that's going to change um, customers' uh, relationships? It's going to be an interesting one. It's it's going to be a gradual shift, I think. I mean, Samsung Pay came in in the early part of the year, um, and it's worked quite well. I mean, when we when we tested it out, it seemed to work quite well. And then Apple came later on in the year. It's it's still it's still a technology which is still trying to find its feet here. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, for those who are listening from the UK and the US, contactless payment is becoming omnipresent, and it really is the norm these days. Mm -hmm. And if you go into the London Underground, you see people swiping in uh, either with a credit card mm -hmm. or even with their smartwatch or their smartphone. Mm -hmm. We're not quite at that point yet here within the UAE. I think as the technology spreads mm -hmm. and as people and as different banks embrace it, which they really have with Samsung mm -hmm. Pay and Apple Pay. I think it will start to to move forward. I mean, also when you look around, I mean, Apple, the Apple Watch, it's it's not the sort of the mass market product that the iPhone is, mm -hmm. but you still do see quite a few people wearing it, mm -hmm. and so 
in due course, um, retailers are going to start to adopt it, I think, and it will become uh, more omnipresent. It's not quite there yet, but I think it can only grow in due, in due course. So good things are coming. We hope so. <laughs> Thanks, John. And it's been a big year, of course, in the energy sector for this country in the wider region. Um, Jennifer Nyana, our uh, um, energy reporter, is here to talk about some of the uh, the big events of the past 12 months. Um, OPEC, of course, uh, the the um, oil roller coaster, Saudi Aramco's IPO plans, um, and Adnock were big features. Um, Jennifer, I wonder if you can give us a sort of a um, an overall uh, look back at, at the past 12 months um, for the price of oil. Well, the price of oil has improved remarkably in uh, 2017, helped obviously by um, production cuts. Uh, OPEC and non-OPEC agreed towards the end of 2016 to draw down levels of inventory, which obviously were a result of OPEC's decision in 2014 to keep pumping oil to squeeze out the shale producers. So they took... They undertook cuts, mm-hmm. 1.8 billion barrels a day approximately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the price of oil held between 50 to 55. Uh, that's the price of Brent for most of the year. Um, but towards the end of the year in November, we saw oil rising, the Brent uh, rising up to 64. Mm-hmm. Um, the first instance was uh, disruptions from the Middle East's oldest field at Kirkuk following the Kurdish referendum. And then more recently, we saw a price spike because of disruptions to a pipeline in the North Sea. But um, overall, it's been a good year for the price of oil. We started 2016 with the price of Brent at at just under 29 uh, a barrel. And now it's uh, at about 63, 64. Yeah, yeah. So it's a remarkable improvement. It is, isn't it? And um, I guess we can also, uh, looking slightly ahead with, with the extension of the cuts that were yeah. made um, last month, um, do, you think that was a, do you think that surprised uh, the oil market that um, uh, those extensions had been agreed? Um, I don't think the extensions came as a surprise. OPEC's agreement to cut last year was a, was a surprise to the markets. Uh, but, co- but according to some analysts, uh, this extension had already been priced in right. uh, for the coming year. And also, obviously, um, shale producers have hedged production uh, for the coming year on the basis that OPEC will further extend the cuts. So yeah. it didn't really come as a shock to the markets. But the bigger question will be, how will you exit this deal? Um, mm-hmm. Because you have murmurs of dissent from Russia. They're not too keen to be part of the deal anymore. So that's going to be a big uncertainty going into the new year. Mm-hmm. And do you think um, there will be an increased uh, threat from U.S. shale? And with, with if, 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 let's say, you know prices remain around $65 a barrel, that makes it much more appealing for shale producers to get back in the game. Um, do you think they will do so with, with, with vigor over the next few few months? Um, already they've hedged uh, production for three months regardless of the price. So shale's going to come. And uh, what's now uncertain and what analysts um, and traders are trying to find out is how mm-hmm. is OPEC uh, likely to respond to this? And the consensus is... They may, I mean, we've seen excellent compliance from OPEC this year, almost 100%. Yeah, re- remarkable. Remarkable yeah. Uh, uh, compliance levels. 
but what we might see at the start of the year is perhaps a relaxation of this. They will be okay with producers not complying and then they will use this as a case to exit the deal uh-huh. and accommodate uh, U.S. shale as well. Uh, yeah. So... Gulf economies are targeting an oil price of around $70 to balance their budget. Right. Uh, the sweet spot for shale would be anything between 65, 60 to 65 into the new year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see producers perhaps like Russia withdrawing, compliance falling, mm-hmm. and uh, that's likely to be the scenario mm-hmm. for 20, 2018. And slightly closer to home, of course, we've, we've uh, had... Um, uh, the ADNOC um, developments over the past year. What, what what state are we at with, with that at the moment? So ADNOC announced um, in July uh, that they will be looking at a partnership model. Uh, the idea behind this is to bring the biggest uh, buyers of oil, China, Japan, as partners uh, mm-hmm. going ahead in some of their upstream, midstream, and downstream sectors. Right. Uh, they started the year with... Um, awarding stakes in um, ADCO, as it was known then. They've undergone like a... Um, a, a combination sort of thing. Yeah, they've uh, they've got a new brand identity, so yeah. it's now known as ADNOC Onshore. So we've got an... So they awarded an 8% stake to CNPC, China National Petroleum uh-huh. Corporation, and another 4%, I think, uh, to China Energy. Um, and we've also seen renewal of... Um, uh, concession agreements with Japan um, and an award to China, a Chinese CNPC entity to expand production from one of their onshore fields called the Bab field. And this sort of partnership agreement is likely to continue, right. uh, you know, in the spending plan that the Supreme Council approved uh, in November. Um, it was announced that they would be looking at uh, acquiring downstream assets abroad, probably to be closer to these uh, buyers of oil. So these are likely to be uh, the new sort of um, parts that Adnog would like to pursue in right. the new year. Do you think? Do you think part of the move then was 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 also in response to the potential of U.S. shale becoming um, more uh, available to those countries in the east? Yes, U.S. shale has become uh, more available to countries in the East. We saw India in October receiving its first cargo from its eastern coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has made uh, the Gulf OPEC producers quite insecure. Yeah. So they're trying to lock in um, contracts mm-hmm. and trying to be closer to the markets. And we might see more movements. Perhaps we might see agreements with India and Indian refiners to try and make sure that uh, not only uh, will U.S. shale, uh, you know, uh, in- increase production, but mm. also eat into their market share, which yeah. is OPEC's biggest worry at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, again, slightly further from, from here, but not that far, of course. Um, what about Saudi Aramco's IPO plans? It seems to be that... Uh, it's difficult to pin down exact details about uh, plans and prices and, and all that. What's your take on it? Uh, well, it's interesting. They will definitely look to list um, in the local exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's been a lot of uncertainty over where they will target for their international exchange. Mm-hmm. You've had Donald Trump inviting yeah. Aramco yeah. to list in the U.S. And uh, we've also... Uh, 
heard you London bankers yeah. looking to um, uh, encourage uh, a listing in the London Stock Exchange, yeah. but obviously and Hong Kong as well. Hong Kong yeah. as well, but I think compliance requirements for the uh, for the for a UK listing are very high. Yeah. Even though Aramco has tried to be more transparent. Yeah. Another rumor is that uh, Aramco might target a private placement. Okay. There are talks they might court um, Chinese okay. um, investors, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a bit uncertain. Uh, but an inter- I mean, it, it's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of conflicting messages. But if should the Aramco IPO go ahead, it's really going to be a game changer for the way a Gulf NOC is supposed to be and how it's meant to operate. Right. Yeah. And of course, um, in the Middle East and North Africa, it's been a big year as well for uh, for IPOs, um, a much improvement on last year. Um, I'm joined by Samad Khan, the Companies and Markets Editor for the National uh, Business Section. Uh, welcome, Samad. Yeah, good to be here, Chris. Thank um, you. What, what, do, what, what are the major standouts for this year, do you think, in, in, the, uh, in the IPO markets? Well, if you look at the wider Middle East and North African uh, IPO mm-hmm. activity during the third quarter, uh, there were five IPOs that were recorded, uh, and which is a big improvement from a single listing mm-hmm. for the same period in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the things are, are definitely, you know, sort of improving. Mm-hmm. What do you think is driving that uh, optimism? It's a relative st- stability in the oil prices, mm-hmm. uh, which has kept the, the investors on the sidelines and uh, and the companies as well who, who feared that they're not going to get proper valuations uh, mm-hmm. when they when they try and raise capital from uh, from the equities market. Mm-hmm. That has changed, mm-hmm. you know, oil trading uh uh, above 60 mm-hmm. and predictions of uh, it being at the same stage for uh, for the near term at yeah. least that's yeah. actually boosting the confidence mm-hmm. and if you look at the the value of the ipos in the in the third quarter mm-hmm. it actually rose uh, 20% and we are talking about the broader mena region here right uh-huh. it uh, improved 20% to us dollar 236.7 million mm-hmm. uh three offerings on Saudi Stock Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, and this is all according to EY, mm-hmm. the consultancy. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is, that, um, is that uptick, uh, is it markably more than send prior to the, to the oil crash? Are we all right? We're at parity with that kind of level? It's not even comparable. Mm. Uh, I mean, pre-2014, you had the ticket sizes of multiples of billions, mm. and you have... Uh, the entire amount of of MENA IPOs is about 236 mm. million, Mm-mm. and all five of them. So together. it's considerably so below still. It yeah. is considerably below, but the fourth quarter numbers are are going to be quite good mm. if you if you look at EMR development. Mm-hmm. Uh, their IPO in November was 1.5 billion dollars alone, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then you have Atnoc Distribution, mm-hmm. their IPO uh, and their listing on. Um, on ADX has generated uh, three billion dirhams. Mm-hmm. So the numbers in fourth quarter are, are going to look quite respectable. So we're getting somewhere up into the billions. Somewhere in the league yeah. of pre 2014, yeah. when, we, when we had it. Yeah. Uh, Omani market, you have seen uh, some sort of a recovery as well taking mm-hmm. place. Uh, so it's it's an indication. It's it's not a it's not a recovery only in the UAE and Saudi. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a Gulf fight phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And and obviously looking looking ahead a little. Um, We've got the IPO of Tarawal, 
um, trying to become the, the, the second listed exchange in the region after the DFM. Um, do you think that's a taste of things to come? It definitely is in terms of stock exchanges. Tada will be known. They are on track. Uh, their CEO who who estimates that Tada market cap could be over a trillion dollars. Mm, seems to be the, the in word in Saudi Arabia at the right. moment, a trillion. <laughs> a trillion is, is, yes, that's a figure that's been thrown uh, around a lot. Mm. Um, but that's going to be... Uh, Tadabal is not the only one. You know, we we saw a story this year as well, uh, sorry, this week as well, mm-hmm. where Kuwait CMA uh, has invited uh, bids for financially uh, financial advisor uh, mandates. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to sell a stake in Bursa Kuwait. Okay. And we saw some news reports from Oman, oh, where right. the Director uh-huh. General of Muscat Securities Markets said, that they are looking to part privatize their securities exchange. Yeah, so yeah. security exchanges are definitely on on the list of state yeah. assets that could come up, although we don't know mm-hmm. when Oman transaction will happen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. moving uh, beyond the stock exchanges, mm-hmm. the big fish, uh, the big elephant in the room is Aramco. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, possibly the biggest ever uh, IPO estimated to generate $100 billion mm. in proceeds. That's the big one which mm. everyone is is looking at. Um, and then there's uh, Emirates Global Emirates Global Aluminium. Absolutely. That's another big ticket. Uh, I'll be very surprised if, if it is going to be in hundreds of millions. Mm. It should be multiples of billions. Mm-hmm. And then you have Aqua, which mm-hmm. is uh, also planning to, to list on Saudi Exchange and possibly another exchange uh, globally, they haven't said where, Sinat, mm-hmm. which is uh, the big uh, industrial conglomerate mm-hmm. in Abu Dhabi. It's mm-hmm. also lining up some of its subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they spoke with the national and they said that it is on the cards mm-hmm. when we don't know yet, but it is it is something that is, that is, uh, that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, uh, that probably then uh, looking into the near future, that the, the major risk will will would be uh, an oil price shock to to, to the uh, to the system. That or something happens on the economic front, but they are both interlinked. So yes, big shock would definitely be be oil. Uh, but if you if you read what uh, what the pundits are saying, uh, it is going to be relatively stable in the short to medium term. Well, let's hope so. Thank you so much. Well, and of course, it was a big year in aviation in this country and the wider region. And here to talk about some of the uh, bigger stories of the year is Sarah Townsend, the senior business correspondent. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Um, obviously, the start of the year, uh, the aviation sector, particularly in this region, was um, was was taken by surprise with the laptop ban. How did that affect um, the, the kind of bottom lines of our airlines here? Well, exactly. That was a, a bit of a, a tough issue that they all had to face in the first three months of the year because mm-hmm. it was implemented in, in March. So right at the beginning of the year when airlines were already sort of struggling mm-hmm. with um, low demand and a sort of flat global economy. Um, and, you know, passenger demand was pretty subdued. Yeah. Um, and then when the U.S. actually instigated this um, uh, this ban on electronic mm. devices in, mm. in aircraft cabins, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually it saw sort of demand, you know, plummet even further, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tim Clark, who's the president of, um, you know, Emirates, mm-hmm. 
Uh, he said that the ban was hugely disruptive yeah, in his own yeah. words and that it caused a 15 to 18 percent drop in, in mm. the carrier's loads. Um, right at a time when they didn't need it. Right yeah. at a time when they didn't need it. And they'd already had sort of 75 percent net profit drop the previous right. year and then right. an 82 percent drop. Um, Ouch. This, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then the ban was lifted in July. But, yeah. you know, certainly... Airlines had taken a, a hit. For that quarter, most certainly, yeah. Mm. yeah. And did it pick up after the ban was lifted? Did it did it kind of immediately bounce back or was there a residue? No, I mean, it was it was a residue. I mean, it was mm. after that that, that um, you know, Emirates had sort of seen its its profit drop. So mm. it was when it reported it in, in mm-hmm. you know, in, mm-hmm. uh, in the months afterwards that it... But to be fair, they did turn things around pretty quickly mm. because mm-hmm. then by, by November, mm-hmm. they were reporting a 111% profit hike mm. <laughs> for the a, first half quite of... Quite a rebound. Yeah, the 2017 to 18 yeah. year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they did manage to turn it around. How, um, how have they done that, do you think? Is it, is it pure? because they're now um, offer they're now more appealing to, to travelers from here to the US or, or have they done something proactive? I mean, I think they've been on on you know an efficiency saving mm-hmm. uh, strategy sort of drive for really the previous year mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also uh, improved global kind of economic sentiment really mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the middle of the year also helped to lift things yeah. the oil price was sort of stabilizing a little bit and and you know people were adjusting to that perhaps sort of uh, in terms of consumer spending mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean the second half of the year was actually a bit more positive and we yeah. started seeing you know quite a few more mm-hmm. orders coming mm-hmm. in and how, how did um and we were talked about emirates there how did etihad fare over the same sort of period well Etihad has had a, a, a rough year. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, at the end of 2016, it had put in place its big cost-cutting drive, mm. and it had it had um, uh, it had lost its um, its chief executive, mm. and it put in place a big lot of um, restructuring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, obviously, we saw uh, issues with Alitalia mm-hmm. and Air Berlin, mm-hmm. and it obviously exited those investments mm-hmm. because both those airlines and well, not because of, but <laughs> those airlines then went into administration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so were, were they always sort of? Um, uh, was the rationale at the time um, a sound wanted to get involved with them, or, or do you? And, and it's just that the, the the world has changed and made them not uh, not a, not a good uh, thing to be involved with. Or do you think there was possibly they shouldn't have got involved anyway with them in the first place? Do you think we can be? Critical? Or? Not critical particularly, but I'm just wondering what the uh, what the standpoint you might think was. Yeah. Well, would, would they do it again? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, Etihad. It was a. It, analysts have said that it's it was a, certainly a sound strategy at the time. Mm-hmm. European. Um, airlines were actually taking off they were expanding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed like there was a, a, a pretty good um, you know growth trajectory for yeah. them however um, with everything that's happened and with and, and with the economy um, as it is I think that really they're trying to pull back now Etihad and focus on their own direct routes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the national interviewed uh, Peter Baumgartner who's yeah. the who's the CEO um, during the Dubai Air Show, and he was saying, "Well, look, you know, we don't exactly have any plans right now to exit any other mm. um, of our of our um, Interest, investments yeah, yeah. interests, um, but certainly we really need to focus back on our point-to-point routes." Okay. Well, you mentioned the Dubai Air Show. Of course, it's uh, it's once every couple of years, big event here. Um, what what were the standouts for you at the show? Well, um, yeah, there were certainly 
uh, quite a lot of very big deals, I think more than a lot of people were expecting. Mm. Um, and obviously Emirates had just announced its very strong results literally a few days before the air show. And right yeah. up until then, I think people were thinking, oh, it's going to be a bit of a subdued event. Yeah. And then suddenly with these results, people were thinking, well, OK, maybe we can have a bit more excitement here. Yeah. Um, so we had um, we had obviously a huge deal with uh, with Emirates yeah. um, and Boeing. Yeah. Um, Rather than, of course, Airbus. Yeah. Well, exactly. And yeah. Airbus was slightly sort of snubbed. Mm. Um, and as has been reported, the the sort of two uh, manufacturers were sort of outside the press conference mm. room and <laughs> yeah. everybody tense inside wondering what the Who deal was. Who was going to get invited in? <laughs> yeah. And it ended up being Boeing. But yeah. it turns out that that deal was scuppered kind of right at the last minute, it sounds like. Yeah. The um, Airbus deal. The Airbus yeah. deal. Yeah. 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 Um, Fly Dubai also was was pretty active. They mm -hmm. had a, a, a big a twenty seven billion order f dollar order from Boeing, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then also Emirates announced and, and sort of unveiled its its new first class cabin, mm -hmm. um, yeah, which, which is going to be nice. rolled out. Yeah. On, on, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was a good show, um, rather surprisingly a good show in the end. Um, mm. So just briefly, what do you think uh, we can look forward to in the in the in the next twelve months? What's going to be the big story? Do you think? Well, um, this is going to be a, a few big stories. I mean, obviously, we're going to be carrying on watching how the tie-up with Emirates and Fly Dubai, mm -hmm. which actually was, you know, another another big story from this year. Yeah. Um, going to be watching to see how that happens and mm -hmm. how they increase their their route networks because um, now they're sort of sharing this and they've expanded their code share. Okay. Um, the market's also waiting for an update on Boeing's mid-sized jet, which yes, course, um, sounds yeah. quite technical, yeah. but actually people are going to be very interested in this because yeah. it's going to allow, um, uh, you know, longer long-haul flights, but mm -hmm. on a narrower aircraft yeah, and yeah. with the with the capacity f to fit more people in it, yeah, effectively. So increasing efficiencies again. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Etihad uh, appoints a new. Um, of course. A new yeah. group CEO yeah. in January. Yeah. He comes be in. Interesting. It'll be an interesting year. Mm. We'll see how it takes off. Um, thanks very much, Sarah. No pun intended. No. <laughs> thanks very much to John, Dania, Jennifer, Samad and Sarah for that sprint through the big stories of 2017. It seems 2018 is shaping up to be another fascinating year for all things business. My name's Chris Nelson and that was the Business Extra podcast. Find us at www.thenational.ae.